It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're part of it. On August 13th, 2009, we're on your computer tonight and we hope that you will be a part of the program by giving us a call or sending us an email. We look forward to hearing from you. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to join you on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We always look forward to our Thursday night Internet study group. And it worked so well having a guest in our new studio last week, we decided to do it again tonight. Yeah, I, we've got a color man. Uh, our good friend Jim Walsh from Mount Pleasant is with us tonight. And if there's any great tackles, if the quarterback gets sacked or anything, we're going to pitch it to Jim. He's going to make color commentary. Jim, thanks for coming tonight. You're welcome. And uh, we hope that you didn't get into more than you bargained for. <laughs> I, I thought it was a Bible study. But that was a <laughs> All right. Well, Dad, what's the topic tonight? Well, Jacob, um, I got a, I got a, something forwarded to me by email uh, that commented on something heard on a Nashville radio station, apparently a, a religious talk radio station out of Nashville. It's not identified as to which one. But uh, this person said the other day a lady who was listening called in and asked this simple question, how do I choose a church? Now, uh, it goes on to say the host suggested she consider looking at churches as communities and that she simply needed to find one that had people who most suited her needs for friendship. And I thought that was such a horribly inadequate and inaccurate answer. But the question was a good one. The question was an appropriate one. And so I thought it would be worthwhile for us to spend our time tonight thinking about things that we should be looking for in a church and things that should not be a factor in our decision-making process. I think typically we find that people are looking for the wrong sort of things. And so uh, our, our topic tonight is kind of a simple one, and actually we are, are using sort of accommodative language, how to choose a church. We understand the New Testament teaches there's just one true church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but Obviously, in the religious climate of our day, there's just a wide uh, array uh, and and thousands upon thousands of choices of different religious organizations. And so when we're using this terminology accommodatively. How do I choose? Among all those that are out there, what, what should I be looking for and what should not be the kind of things that, that we are uh, seeking that serve as priorities? Earlier today to our update list, Jacob, I sent out that simple couple of questions. Number one, uh, what things do you not want in the church where you are a member? And number two, what things do you want in the church where you are a member? A couple of very simple questions. I thought we'd start with the negative first. What are some of the things we ought to just throw off the table that should not be considerations? Uh, By the way, as we always remind people at the start of the program, if you're not on our update list and you'd like to be, just send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, put in the subject line, add me to the list, and you'll be getting our week, regular weekly updates. We're also on Twitter. We send out, uh, or on Thursday, we send out an update on Twitter to let people know what our topics are going to be if you're following us on Twitter. And there's a Facebook group for the Verse Bible. Jim, are you part of the Facebook group? I'm on Facebook, but I didn't know that. It's uh, on there. You might want to look it up. Okay. All right. And you can comment tonight uh, via the phone, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room tonight. Uh, Dean in in Louisiana is in the chat room, and we have another listener who is uh, communicating with Dean, and so uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Join in on the program tonight as we talk about how to choose a church. And, Jim, we'll begin by uh, commending the question. It is a good question to to ask and something that we all need to consider. What kind of church am I going to be a part of? Well, I think it is. You know, uh, people who are thinking about their spiritual responsibilities and and the impact that it has on their life have the right priority. Uh, The problem that obviously exists, as with the answer uh, that was given that Greg referenced, is that far too many people don't think of the the church. They don't think of their 
spiritual relationship with the Lord as being fundamentally the, the number one priority in their life. And so they think of a church like they do a bank or some sort of business. They're looking at it from a standpoint of what is it going to do for me? What what are you going to provide? What what does your brochure say about all the different things? You know, do you have singles groups? Do you have widows groups? How often do you meet for potlucks? You know, they look at it as the the reference made in the in the email. They look at it as some sort of community function that they're going to get involved with. That's going to bring them. Uh, all these types of things in their life, and they don't focus on the main content of their relationship with the Lord. And that should be primarily the one thing we're focusing on. In thinking about a church, what impact will it have on my relationship with the Lord? It's all about me, though, in American society today. What what does it do for me? Well, very much so. You know, you look at any part of our culture, our choosing process deals with what am I going to get out of it. If If I come to you, what are you going to do? I don't know if any, if any of you all uh, used to uh, read the Doonesbury comic strip, but uh, years ago, several years ago, probably in the late 90s, uh, Gary Trudeau did a, a series on this particular thing, this couple from week to week choosing a church. And the end result, after they heard all of the different choices, the one church they chose was because it had volleyball or something like that. Now, that was the end result of their choices, what the church was going to offer them, not what the doctrine was and how would it affect my relationship with the Lord. Well, I, I think those are exactly right observations, Jim. Um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was very good that you said some people go about it choosing a church like they would choose the bank. I remember when I moved to a new place, I, I, I decided what bank I would associate with, which one was closest to me. Where was the nearest ATM? Right. You know, right. What, what conveniences did it offer to me? And I do think a lot of people go about choosing a church yeah. that way. Well, you know, one thing I thought about in dealing with this subject was the comment that or this, the, the uh, verse that we read in Hebrews chapter 8 and in verse 5, where the writer said, uh, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. And when we think about the New Testament church, we, we recognize that concept that God provided a pattern that could be replicated from generation to generation. Uh, the problem, obviously, that exists today is that the great majority of what we would refer to as churches do not follow any pattern at all. It, it's whatever is driven by the culture. Whatever new thing comes out, that's what they're going to go if, uh, bring in. If there's not a pattern, then anything goes. That's right. And that's, that's right. what we have in the religious world today. We have mass chaos, and that's not what God wants. It's not no. what Jesus wants. No. I thought let's let's go let's go a little further down that road that Jim just suggested. Let's let's start out on that negative vein. What are some of the things that we should not want. And Jim has just suggested, I think, a very important first one. I, we should not want to be a part of a church where the Bible is not taught and Bible authority is not demanded. In, in other words, I don't want to be a part of a church like that. I, when I'm looking for, for a group of people to associate with religiously, I should very much be wanting to find a church where the scriptures are taught, frequent and abundant reference is made to the word of God, it, it is common in a lot of religious groups these days to have just almost none of references to the scripture, maybe just a passing reference here or there. But we should want we should want to uh, uh, to find a religious group which uh, bases all of its actions, its teaching, and its and its and its work is founded strongly upon the scriptures and the authority found therein. And I think the verse that Jim just referenced from Hebrews eight verse five proves that God wants it that way, that God has always been a God of a pattern. Uh, he, he was in the Old Testament era. His his basic nature has not changed. His law for us has changed, but his basic nature has not changed. He's always been a God who says, do it like I said. And we should be looking for a group that's committed to following that, that kind of a procedure. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or join in with other listeners in the chat room tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Jim? Well, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, Go right back to the beginning, Acts chapter 2, after we have uh, Peter making the declaration of the gospel and these people having that the word of God impressed upon their heart so that they, they believe and they're baptized. And then we read in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in fear. 
uh, and breaking of bread and in prayers. And then it said, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common. We find a cohesive, united group in thinking about the first century church, and the emphasis is on doctrine and fellowship and worship and prayer. And when, when people go to visit uh, a church today, how many of them say, well, I want to know something about what you teach. I want to know what you believe about prayer. I want to know what, you're, what you think about fellowship. Because the majority of these churches, when they talk about fellowship, they're not talking about Bible fellowship. They're talking about going out to Dunkin' Donuts. Not that there's anything wrong with Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Come on now. But, you know, they're talking about going out. Fellowship to them is all about the, the fleshly material things, and it's not about the spiritual activity you know, we find excited disciples here learning about the gospel and the impact that it has in changing their life, and that's what the church does. Exactly right, and 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 so if you if you were to uh, again, you remind me. I, I'm sure you've gotten Jim, as I've gotten through the years, calls uh, where people say, "Well, I'm I'm new to the community, and I'm 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 uh, investigating different churches, and I'd like to know." And then you've wondered, what's the question going to be? And almost always, it's, do you have daycare for the children? Right. What kind of youth activities do you have? Uh, you know, questions of that nature. I, I have to admit that once or twice I have been asked about doctrinal positions, what we believe and teach, which is good, which is what people ought to be doing. But too often they're, they're looking for other things. Well, even in, even in dealing with that, sometimes as members of the Lord's Church, we are taken back and we don't know how to respond. You know, if someone says, do you have daycare, what our response should be, yes, we, we let moms and dads take care of their children. <laughs> and when they say things like, you know, uh, well, do you provide any type of special fellowship? Yes, we do. Fellowship with the saints. We ought to be able to respond and not be afraid because... Our first thought always is, oh, they're thinking about it from the denominational standpoint. We don't have that. And what we need to do is say, yes, here's what the scriptures do teach. If daycare, yes. Uh, parents taking care of their children. Our form of worship, yes, just like it is in the New Testament. Exactly. We, we, sometimes, though, we're ashamed because we can't uh, we can't get on the same level as some of the denominational. Right. Well, there is no competing with the denominational world, I mean, because they are not following the Bible. Uh, they are following the things that appeal to the flesh. Well, if you're gonna, if you're go, if that's what you're seeking, as you say, Jim, I think it's reasonable to to say we can't compete at that level because no. that's not our priority. Therefore, that we're, we don't believe we're authorized to do that. We should have no hesitation to say that's not our business. Right. We're, we're, we we can't compete. If you're looking for those kinds of things, we're not in that business, and we don't we don't have that to offer. We got to be upfront with that. Um, in the chat room, I noticed uh, uh, another point here, and I think Dean made it in the chat room. Uh, where he says we should not want to be a part of a church that tolerates sin. That is to say, they do not practice Bible discipline. Uh, I I would agree with Dean on that. Another thing that we should be avoiding is to be a part of any religious group that openly tolerates and even endorses sinful behavior. It's been much in the news in recent years about some of the, the liberal denominations that have signed off on homosexuality, even to the point that they, uh, as they use the terminology, ordain homosexual priests into their ministry and so forth. I got to tell you, I don't want to be a part of a church like that. Why would anybody want to be who's read their Bible? The Bible is just too plain in the condemnation of such open immorality. And and so why would I, if, if I was going to be a member of a church like that, I think I'd just give up altogether. I'd, I'd I'd do something else on Sunday and forget about attending religious services. Well, again, you know, what, what's the purpose in, in becoming a member of a church? Is it to save your soul or is it to be part of a of a fun organization in the community? And I think that's the way most people today look at churches. Uh, and I think this is to, uh, to be laid at the feet of the denominations. You know, their whole goal is to make religion fun. And so whether it's to have, you know, uh, bingo games or whether it's to have uh, – uh, special prizes on the bus, or some sort of activity that gets you to thinking not about the spiritual relationship that you need to have with God, but am I going to smile? You know, I remember years ago when we lived in, in Richmond, Virginia, uh, one of my coworkers had not been to church for any time, so she went to church with her mother one day, and she said, wow, it was a blast. She said, I've got to do that again. And I thought that was her whole concept, that church was a blast, I've got to do it again, not 
I learned the truth, and now, you know. Sounds like she'd been to an amusement park. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we think about it. That's really what the denominations are trying to do today is to trying to put out there this concept of competition that we can provide something that's going to make, uh, provide more fun in your life, not we're going to study the Bible and we're going to enrich your spiritual I, I life. I think it's called outreach. Right. Jim. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. They're, right. they're reaching out of the Bible and not in it. All right. All right, we might take a break, and then we want to get a few emails that are coming in, and we encourage you to send us your email. This first thing that we're talking about is in the negative mode, things that we should not have as our priority in, in choosing a church. We're going to go positive before we're done, but we've got to deal with some of these yeah, negative. Yeah, you, you guys are talking about things that we shouldn't look for, but uh, should the church have any effect on me? Should uh, being a part of a church have any uh, effect on me personally? We'll talk about that on the other yeah. side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. Well, regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. We're talking about things that we should look for when we're looking for a church. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room tonight with other listeners. What should we be looking for? We talked about some things that we should uh, well, not put as a priority. Yeah, we've got some emails on that negative side first, Jake, before we pass from that. Let, let me read some of these uh, Anthony in Columbia writes what he's not looking for, what he doesn't want. He says, division, strife, and cliques, weak preaching, though preachers are too often considered the sole bellwether of the congregation, this is not a good thing, lack of motivation to do good works and spread the word. Having done a lot of moving around in my life, I can say from experience that one of the best ways to gauge the strength of a congregation is to look at their attendance. If there's a huge discrepancy between the attendance for Sunday morning worship and Sunday morning Bible study or Sunday and Wednesday evenings, then more than likely you have a large number of part-time Christians who just show up on Sunday morning because they feel it's the minimum requirement in order to be acceptable to God. This cohort cohort has a little interest in the spiritual matters and does not put God at the top of their priority list. If they did, they'd be at every service, though granted some folks' work schedules do not permit them to attend every service. So Anthony mentioned several things there, and we haven't talked about all of these, but I especially like his uh, observation there about trying to judge the strength of the congregation. And there are ways to do that, and there's some obvious manifestations, and he points out that if you, you know, if, if the congregation has a huge discrepancy between Sunday morning uh, attendance and Sunday night and Wednesday night attendance, then you got to wonder uh, about the strength of that group. And so he, he says he uses that as a, as a determiner. Uh, he also mentions weak preaching, and we commented about that. We want we want we need to stay away from those who make almost no reference to the scriptures, division, strife, and cliques. Uh, all of those things are sinful. And so, if if, if brethren here, he's more, more talking about the interpersonal relationships that exist within the group. And if those things are true, then that then there's a lot of sinning going on because division, strife, and cliques are sinful things that need to be avoided. All right, uh, Steve uh, sends in his things that we should not want in the church that we are a member. Compromise with erroneous doctrines. That's one that uh, is uh, fairly common. Fellowship with those who teach error or congregations which support error. A congregational spirit of casuality, informality regarding worship and work. And wishy-washy elders. Good things. Right. Well, the, the elder part there is going to, I mean, 
if the leadership is not strong, the church is not going to be strong. I mean, that's a given. That would be true in any endeavor. If you've got a business endeavor, uh, in the military, uh, anywhere you are, if, you're, if your leadership is weak and ineffective, then the whole organization is going to be weak and ineffective. And so I think that's a good observation. If you're, if you're going to go uh, and try to choose uh, a religious group, you want to look to the leadership of that group because the leadership is going to set the tone. The church will be like the leadership is ultimately. Uh, and then, and then he mentions uh, fellowship with error. We've already commented on that. What about this, uh, Jim? Your comments on a congregational spirit, in other words, the at, sort, sort of the atmosphere of the congregation, very casual, informal regarding worship and work. Well, I don't. That's a that's a broad statement. I don't know. You know, um, as far as my first thought would be, is he saying I don't want to be with a group that doesn't have a reverence for worship? And a determination to serve God, or is he saying, you know, I is there anything wrong with people being relaxed, and is there anything wrong with people feeling comfortable with what they're doing? So I can I can look at that from from two different yeah. standpoints. Certainly, I would hope that everybody would have a wholehearted reverence for the thought that you know worship is our approaching the throne of God, and we have to have a particular attitude and a particular. Uh, reverence in dealing with that, and yet at the same time, I would like to think that we would be comfortable with one another. Well, I, yeah, and I don't know what he has in mind there either. Uh, but, and we've never really talked about this on the virtual Bible study, but I, I, I am not in favor of uh, imposed dress codes, for instance, for people to come to worship. But on the other hand, I think that if the whole congregation is just very sloppily dressed, in other words, if they're dressed to come to worship like they would typically dress to go out and, and hoe the garden, then that may, in fact, indicate a lack of reverence for what we're doing together. Well, in, in some respects, you know, I'm a little old school. I do think that your dress uh, is indicative of your attitude. Um, that doesn't mean that someone has to wear a suit every you know first day of the week. But if you're showing up in jeans and T-shirt and sneakers, then, you know, what does that say about your attitude in presenting yourself before God? I want to present him in such a way that I would hope he would be pleased with the way I look. Now, of course, we take into consideration the person's economic status. You know, if the best you have is bib overalls and, and a shirt, and as long as it's clean and pressed, then, you know, that's the best you can do. God's going to be happy with that. That's right. And so I think that's the reason why we typically say It'd be wrong to impose dress codes, but what we're what we're hoping to achieve here is an attitude of the worshipers that would, in the way they present themselves and conduct themselves when they come together for worship, that it's appropriate and reverent. Well, you know, maybe again, it's part of the focus that we have. We think of the church as a a group of people, and you know, when we go back, when we look at passages like uh, John, First John chapter one and verse seven, if we walk in the light, as He is in the light then we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. That's a verse that deals with our relationship with the Lord in connection with our relationship with others, and that our relationship with the Lord must be steadfast and it must be firm in order for us to have a relationship with others. And, and too often people think about the church as our relationship with others first, and then we'll all get together and have a relationship with the Lord. And it's the other way around. No matter what anybody else does, my relationship with the Lord has to be firm. And then my relationship with the Lord and my understanding of his will is going to affect my dealings with other people and my, my local fellowship. Okay. Hey, Jacob, I'm getting an email from Keith and and. Lynchburg, who says he's not getting anything but the advertisements. Is our stream going out? Uh, you know, I forgot to start that part of the stream, so now it's going out. Okay. Thank you, Keith, for <laughs> catching that for us. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, what, okay, we got one other email here I want to mention. Uh, Brian in Indiana says that he would not want to find a church where there's division, soft preaching. We've talked about those kind of things. And then he mentions the word worldliness. He gives some scripture references here, Romans 12, 2. 1 Timothy 2, verse 9. Uh, you know, I, I do think that we find that the church in all churches, many churches, uh, just sort of eat up with with uh, worldliness these days. We, we find Christians or those who call themselves Christians who want to be like the world. They, they want to act like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world, go the place worldly people go. 
And uh, that's very, very common. I mean, unfortunately so. And I, I think it's the problem with a lot of churches. And I think that's the reason why we see a lot of churches not being effective in, in, in spreading the message of Christ. I want to tell you, if I'm choosing and I go to a place and I see that that's the characteristic of, the, of that group, that they are indistinguishable uh, with the world, then I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. Jim, is it, do you think that people think that if they teach hard doctrine that people won't be interested in that and they have to soften the gospel in order to make it appealing? I think if you're asking me for an opinion, then, you know, my opinion would be that what most people do in thinking of any type of leadership of a local church, instead of asking the question, are we doing what pleases the Lord, no matter what anybody else thinks, they begin to ask the question, what can we do to make people, uh, to appeal to people so they'll want to come here? As a, as a congregation, we're supposed to be appealing to the Lord and then inviting others to join in that. But what we find happening in the modern religious world is we're appealing to people and asking them to join in the activity of appealing to one another. So you deal with worldliness or you deal with the concept of soft preaching. When the gospel went forth, as, as you both know, the primary focus was to preach about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and man's response to that of repentance to receive forgiveness of sin. And what we find in today's world is there's very little preaching about the concept of repentance. We don't want people to feel bad because they're going to go. And, and I do think in uh, moving along and, you know, just kind of brainstorming here, concepts of worldliness, I think a lot of uh, religious groups today are concerned with the financial factor. They want to pull as many people in so they can have as much money as they can to do all these outreach programs. And so they're not about to upset anybody who's going to leave and take their contribution elsewhere. We hear it uh, described as come as you are, and it's not talking just about your dress. It's talking right. about your your sins. Right. You just come, and we'll all say everybody's okay. Well, we, you know, for years we've sung the old hymn, Just As I Am. Mm-hmm. But that's not the implication of that song is not that you can come as you are and stay as you are. The idea is to change, to become a new creature in Christ. If we're not teaching people they need to, to change, then we're not doing them any good at all. You cannot stay where you are spiritually. You've got to, you've got to repent of your past sins. You've got to live a new life in Christ. And if we're not conveying that message, we might as well just lock the doors. Well, think about that song. The, the, the emphasis of that, of that song, Just As I Am, is I have nothing that I can make an appeal to the Lord to, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. The idea is that I have nothing, I am empty, but you're taking me as I am because you're going to make me a new person. And people don't think about that today. They think, I want the Lord to accept me as I am so I don't have to change, where Jacob made a reference to Romans chapter 12, you know, verses 1 and 2, talks about that concept of transforming, making yourself a living sacrifice for the Lord. That means I have to change uh, to appeal to him, and what we find in churches is they're not appealing to the Lord, they're appealing to men. And that's not a comfortable thing either, Jim. Being transformed is not comfortable, and it's not easy, but that's what we've been called to do. Right. And uh, something that many are unwilling to do. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We got another email from Indiana saying, people today do not go to church, they go to the club on Sunday. Now, I think the implication there is that many religious groups are like a social club rather right. than a religious group. Or a country club. Uh, they also go there on other days of the week. The church they attend offers everything they want except what they need. It's not surprising to see people doing this as the world is constantly looking for entertainment and not education. Look for a church that teaches. Okay, appreciate that comment. Um, Did you get to Brian's email? Yes. Okay. But I wanted to go back there. Uh, On Brian's email, he mentioned division, and I think – Anthony's email mentioned division, strife, and cliques. And um, I think that, that uh, the scriptures are pretty strong. When, when, when congregations were addressed in the New Testament, I have some scriptures here where Paul urged them to have a strong, loving relationship. And we should be looking for that. I mean, I, as, a, as a, a, an individual Christian, I want to be a member of a congregation where there's a strong relationship, a strong bond of brotherhood between Christians. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning verse 25, members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. In that whole context, Paul is saying the church should be viewed like a body. If I hurt my one little finger, the rest of my body responds to take care of that finger uh, and, and tend to its needs. 
And he says that's why we should feel we should have that kind of relationship. If we don't have that in the church, something bad is missing. First Peter four verses eight and nine, Peter said, Above all, keep fervent in your love one for another. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Uh, so again, he was stressing that relationship. And a part of that relationship is if if I love my brother and he loves me, if either one of us veers off course and we get into spiritual trouble, that loving relationship is going to be uh, such that uh, it would we would go to each other and draw each other back. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, beginning, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So um, we should we should care for one another spiritually, and that, that would be a sign of the love that exists between us. We should want that, and that, that would be the opposite of the strife and division kind of thing that that our emailers mentioned. All right, we're up against another break, and when we get back from the break, we'll continue the discussion on some things we should look for as we look for a church to be a part of. We hope you'll stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Those who run businesses and hire employees are always in search of the best people to work for them. In fact, finding good people to fill crucial roles is one of the most difficult aspects of operating a successful enterprise. Typically, there are two different kinds of workers. Some are only looking to draw a paycheck. They quickly analyze the job situation, determine the bare minimum that is required, and then apply themselves to ensure that they do only enough to maintain the job and avoid being fired. The other type of employee really wants to do a good job. His goal is to please the employer and do everything possible to make the business succeed. This kind of person will even sacrifice his own personal interest at times in favor of the good of the company. Such employees as these are the cream of the crop, and they are the ones that every boss hopes to find. In any church, you can identify the same two types of workers. Unfortunately, there are those who want to find the minimum amount of work that is necessary. They want to be regarded as in good standing, but they really don't desire to do any more than is absolutely required. A common question of such folks is this. Where does the Bible say I have to? They apply this question to things like Sunday night worship or Wednesday night Bible class. During gospel meetings, you need not expect them to be present because they don't see where the Bible says they have to. Teach a Bible class? Visit a sick person? Invite a neighbor? Encourage a weak member? Show where the Bible says this is absolutely necessary and they might consider doing it. Otherwise, no way. The other type of worker is faithful in all things. In fact, this type of member is not interested in doing the minimum. Such folks want to do all they can to help in the important work of the church. Need a volunteer? Looking for assistance regardless of the job? Look to these people, for they constitute the working core of the congregation. They can be counted on in all situations, even when it involves sacrifice. Without them, the congregation would fail. God bless this sort of member. Which kind of worker are you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. And there is quite a discussion going on in the chat room tonight about the Old Testament law, whether it is still in binding today, and what day we should be worshiping on in uh, the New Testament uh, system. We want to let you know that we'll talk about that next week on the program. We can't get into all the discussion. It's, so it's, it's way off topic to what we're discussing tonight, but it's an important topic. It is an important topic, and we'll study that next week. So if you're out there tonight listening and you're in the chat room and engaged in that discussion, be sure to tune in next week. We'll continue that discussion. And if you're in the chat room tonight and you believe that the Old Testament law still is in effect, the Ten Commandments are still binding today, that we should still be worshiping on the Sabbath day, we would encourage you to contact us. Uh, we would even allow you to come on the program next week. We could connect over the phone and give you plenty of time to explain your position. So uh, send us your contact information if you'd be interested in doing that, and we'd love to talk to you. But next week on the program, we'll talk about the Old Testament law and the Sabbath day. Are they still binding today? We're talking about what to look for in a church on the program tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or you can send your comments over the chat room tonight as we talk about things that we should be looking for. We've talked about a long list of things to not look for, but, you know, uh, there are lots of things that we should be looking for, and if uh, we're going to be successful at finding the correct congregation to be a part of, we need to know what things we really need to be looking for. 
yeah. as well. And, you know, as we read the New Testament, I believe we see some what I would refer to as surprising characteristics of those New Testament churches, at least surprising in comparison to what goes on in the religious world today. It reminds me of an old story. I heard a guy went into a drugstore, Jim, and uh, he said, uh, can you tell me where the shoe polish is? And and the and the pharmacist behind the counter says, oh, no, sorry, we don't have any shoe polish. Oh. He says, well, well, can you point me in the direction of the greeting cards? And the pharmacist said, uh, well, he said, I'm sorry, we don't have greeting cards here. He says, you don't have greeting cards? He says, well, could you at least tell me where the school supplies are? Point, let me know where you keep the school supplies. He said, we don't sell school supplies. And the guy said, well, what kind of a drug store is this anyway? And the pharmacist said, well, we sell drugs. It's a pharmacy. <laughs> and I think that's the way some people react when they find out that the New Testament church and those who are trying to imitate that pattern in the religious world today don't have some things. For instance, I think people are shocked, Jim, if they find out that we don't offer uh, recreation, entertainment, social events, that sort of thing for members. I think people are typically surprised at that. Well, that's that's an individual responsibility. You know, uh, members can provide for that. We can get together and go to a movie if we want to. We can go to a ball game. Uh, we can visit in one another's homes. It's it's not the responsibility of the the local congregation to provide recreation. And again, that's where many congregations veer off from what we talked about in the beginning, the concept of a pattern. We don't find the New Testament church providing for recreation. They provided for the spiritual building of one's relationship with the Lord. And that's even the description of, of the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It's called the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. That's that's our emphasis. That's our work. That's the primary thing that we should be striving for. Because that's what's most important. Absolutely. And uh, we, we, we uh, are distracted in other things if we veer off of that of that. Uh, if, if if we if we had a lost person, what's the most important thing that we could do for them? Provide for their entertainment, or teach them the truth that would lead to the salvation of their soul. The ob- the obvious answer is the second part. And that's the that's the work God gave the church to do. That's the emphasis, and that's where we need to be placing our emphasis. And when we're looking for a church, that's what what we ought to be looking for—a church that has that priority. Well, we we just let Jesus Himself answer that. You know, in Luke 15, He presented three parables of lost ones: the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And the emphasis was, He said, "I say unto you," He said, "that there is rejoicing in heaven." Went over one uh, who repents and is found, and you know. So whether it's the the ninety nine uh, sheep or whether it's the other nine coins, he says what there is. Uh, verse ten: Joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. That's where the excitement is over repentance. Um, let me play devil's advocate then. Okay. Let me back away. What's wrong with the church being fun? <laughs> well, it should be if you have the right perspective. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a subjective evaluation, and and if we have our priorities right, it is fun, it is enjoyable, it is fulfilling, fulfilling to pursue religion in the way that God designed it and and ordered it. Okay, but see, I believe in a God who who's fun and happy, and you know, I look at religion today, and it's it, it makes people feel so downcast. All this preaching about repentance, all this preaching about sin. I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be lifted up. I want to go somewhere where people are going to love me and they're going to encourage me. I don't want to go somewhere where all I hear about is what I can't do. I want to go somewhere where I can know what I can do and think about all the the joy that is in the world and all the things I can do. Well, in answer to that, let me tell you another story. <laughs> uh, uh, I heard this example years ago. And I thought it was I thought it was pretty accurate. Um, Let's say that the, the preacher gets in the pulpit on a given Sunday and he preaches a real fiery sermon about the evils of using tobacco. And he really comes down hard on it. And he, he very, very plain and outspoken, using scripture to, to, to support his, his conclusion that it's wrong to use tobacco. After the sermon's over, two different guys pass by the preacher and speak to him as they go out. The first one is still smoking his cigarettes, and he's, he's not inclined to give them up, and he just rails on the preacher. That's that's negative and mean-spirited, and you're meddling, and I, I just hate all this negativism. So he leaves, and the, ne- the next guy comes along, and he says, Brother, i got to tell you, 
I've been trying to quit. I've been quit for two weeks, and it's hard. Uh, that sermon you just preached is really going to motivate me to keep it up. It, uh, that, I needed that. That was very positive and helpful to me. So what you have there is two people who heard the same sermon, and they and it, they took it differently based upon the attitude they had going into it. And I think that's sort of the idea. Those who argue that, that oh, I want a church that's fun, and I, I don't like all this negativism and all this preaching about sin and all that. Well, the reason why they likely feel that way is because they're not inclined to give up their sin, and so they don't like to hear about it. Well, I think that's true. I think that what we're dealing with in the world today are people who want to be pleasing to God without changing. And so what they're looking for is some place to go, and you said just as I am, some place to go that's going to say, look, we just want you as you are because God loves you as you are. And, and that's really the message that goes out today. It is so watered down. It, it is so uh, unscriptural. But that's the message that appeals to people today. It's like going to the doctor when you're sick and you're trying to convince the doctor that you're sick. He says, no, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with your arm that's broken. Don't worry about it. Just come back and see me next week and it's and we'll, we'll just. Yeah, I, I go to the doctor and I say, well, I, I can't afford the medicine. Okay, you're fine then. I can't afford <laughs> yeah. the cast. All right, don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, that's what we deal with with people today. The scriptures are imploring us to change our life. You know, we can think of. And I'm sure you guys do the same. Any number of passages, First Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of your conduct, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God is calling us to be like him. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We are made in the image of God. We are to imitate him. We're to be a mirror image of, of his character. And so when we are called through the gospel, we're called to change, to begin to look like him. But too many people want to be children of God when the scriptures say they're nothing more than reprobates. They don't look like him. They don't come from the same family. Exactly right. Um in, in, in New Testament churches, we're talking about maybe some things people would be surprised to see in New Testament churches. One of the things that I think lots of folks would be surprised is how bluntly and, and, and plainly, openly, they condemned specific sinful deeds. Let me read a quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is the kind of preaching that they had in the first century. It would not be well accepted in most places today. It wouldn't even be considered politically correct. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our Lord." In that list of sins, uh, some very plain things spoken against, fornication, adultery, homosexuality. Uh, it, it's, it's, if, you were to, if you were to preach that message in a lot of religious groups today, they wouldn't tolerate it for a minute. But that was the characteristic of those first century churches. And, you know, I've heard people rail against Paul, and they say, you know, Paul was prejudiced. He was prejudiced against women. He was prejudiced against homosexuals. He was prejudiced against this and that, you know. And what we find today is that when you deal with the Scripture, people don't believe the Scripture is inspired, so they don't believe it's God's Word. They believe it's the Word of men, and then they feel free that they can pick and choose what part of that Scripture they're, they're going to uh, to accept. But the irony in all, in all of that is that it's the Scripture that tells us about life eternal, and where we can expect to go. And so people want to believe the portions that say, I'm going to go to heaven, but they don't want to believe the portions that tell me how I'm going to get to heaven. Well, what about the idea that, that, that you know, that you were talking about Paul, you know, and, and he, he was a chauvinist. He was a male chauvinist. Everybody knows that. Oh, everybody knows that, yeah. yeah. Uh, and times have changed. Yeah. And we've got to, we've got to go with the flow. We, we've, got to, we've got to be willing to, to modify our message uh, and 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 sort of stay in front of the of the mainstream of popular thinking, or else we're not going to we're not going to do any good. What about that mentality? Because that mentality certainly exists in many religious groups. Uh, how how should we approach that attitude? Would we be looking for a church that 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 goes that way or not? 
Well, I think a lot of people are. A lot of people are looking for a church that's culturally relevant. But again, the focus is on man and not on God. Jesus tells us that by uh, his words, we will be judged. So we need to know from him what it is that we're supposed to be doing if we have a hope of life eternal. Uh, We can't be just focusing on the temporal, and that's what a lot of people do. They think, again, of church as this particular religious group that is going to provide a lot of fun things for me to do, yet not train me in how I can get to heaven. The the scriptures say that we are not, I mean, we're we're actually forbidden to modify the message to accommodate people. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul said, Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Isn't there a group close to here that has a gospel that came from an angel? Yes, they, 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 that's that's true, and we've we've commented about that. Second John verses nine and through eleven: Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Again, we have no flexibility here. It is a rigid uh, standard that we must live by, and we cannot bend it. Before we get to this break, Jacob, I think we're right up on it. Uh, it was commented on uh, earlier, and we just uh, add a scripture to the to what was commented on earlier. A characteristic of the New Testament churches that would be surprising to a lot of people is that the faithless, faithfulness of the members was demanded, and those who did not maintain faithfulness were disciplined. They were they they, re, they received uh, uh, an action on the part of the congregation, such as is described in Second Thessalonians three verse fourteen. If any man obey not our Epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. So they would even withdraw their social company and and, uh, relationship from a person in order to help them see how serious their spiritual condition was. Uh, We still practice that. And I've had people be absolutely alarmed, shocked when they learn that that is still an ongoing practice. Because it's not commonly practiced in the, in, in the religious world. But i got to tell you, if we're looking for a church like we read about in the New Testament, that was a characteristic of that church. All right. We're going to take a short break, and then we go to the top of the hour as we discuss things we should look for in a congregation. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13 and this is the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. When we announced that we would talk about uh, the Old Testament law and Sabbath day worship in the program next week, we really stifled the discussion in the chat room. Uh, But we will remind you that we will talk about that next week. And if you believe uh, that the Old Testament is still binding, we should still be following the Ten Commandments as they're listed in the Old Testament, including the Sabbath day and worshiping on the Sabbath day. We'd love for you to join us next week. Send us your contact information to questions at collegeview.com. We'll connect over the phone next week, and we can discuss that with you, and we can understand each, each other's positions better. But we do still have some good comments in the chat room. Dean says, uh, going after recreation cheapens the great work of the church to edify its members and teach the lost the saving gospel. 
And uh, certainly so. Nick in Jennings, Florida says, I need to be a part of a local church that abides by the scripture so I'm not drawn into anything of error. Um, and uh, some other good comments as well in the chat room tonight so you can join in there. Jacob, I thought maybe what we might do for the last few minutes of the program here is uh, go to the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3 where Jesus addressed the seven churches of Asia. And by looking at those comments that he made to those churches, we can see what he wants. In other words, it, what, our question is, how do we choose a church? How do I decide what church to be a member of? Well, I should want to be a member of a church that is a church like what Jesus wants. And, and we can see his likes and dislikes described pretty plainly there in those messages to the seven churches of Asia. So uh, I thought I just picked out something from each one. I might comment briefly if you guys see something else added in for sure. If we've got any listeners that want to join in on that, by all means, give us a call or send us an email. But the first church mentioned is the church at Ephesus. And Jesus' complaint about them was, he says, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Seems like the problem with that church was they were going, the indication is they were going through all the right motions, but they just were going, just going through the motions. They, they didn't have this uh, deep devotion and commitment to the Lord. They were going through the motions, but their heart wasn't in it. Uh, a preacher friend of mine once described a situation like this. He said a husband comes home. And he tells his wife, we need to talk. And she said, well, what is it? And he said, well, I've been thinking about this for a while. And he says, I just want to let you know that I don't love you anymore. Now, we're not going to get a divorce. We're going to stay together. And we're going to keep doing all the things we've been doing. We're going to raise the kids. I'm going to go out and earn a living, bring home the paycheck. And we'll keep our house. And we'll do. But I just felt I should tell you I don't love you anymore. And the preacher said, how many wives would be satisfied with that kind of an arrangement the husband says i'm going to keep doing the stuff that we've been doing but i just i don't i don't do it out of love i don't love you anymore no wife would be satisfied with that kind of a situation well the lord's not satisfied with that either he wants a church and what we ought to want in a church is a church that has a strong devotion a commitment dedication to the lord and it's interesting that uh, this love is not some kind of uh, warm and fuzzy feeling that, that they're condemned for they're told the remedy to, to leaving their first love is to repent. And do the first works. Yeah. So it's not uh, just some kind of emotion. It's our, it's our devotion to Well, God. you know, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he, in Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about the concept of Christ in the church as a husband and a wife. So that's a, a wonderful analogy. And so, you know, when Jesus speaks here in Revelation chapter 2, and he says, you know, verse 4, I have someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. I think he's talking about the fact that he no longer has priority in their life. Exactly right. Now, if, if any of you listeners see anything else in any of them, I've just picked out a few concepts of these seven churches. The next church mentioned is the church at Smyrna, and he commended them because he said they were rich in good works. Revelation 2, verse 9, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So he was describing a church there. It was made up of poor people, physically poor people, but rich in doing the works of God. And that might be something for us to think about. You know, when, when you come into a community and you try to decide what church am I going to be a member of, a lot of people would decide that by what's the social class of the people here. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to associate with a lot of real poor people or something. I want to be in a church where there's a lot of professional folks, uh, you know, high society kind of people. That's what I'm looking for. Well, this church wasn't like that. This wasn't a church of high society people. This, this was a church of poor people, but rich in doing the work of God. Well, well imagine if you had a contrast. One church provides uh, softball, and they provide outings to the mall. And the other church, when you ask them, what do we do? Well, we go visit the sick. We take food to our, our needy members. You know, when people are making that uh, comparison, they're going, well, I think I want to go with the softball and the outings one because that's fun. But when you look at the church at Smyrna, the Lord, in effect, is saying that you're doing things that are pleasing to me, even though you have no economic basis for doing it. You're giving of yourself. Exactly right. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Time to take your comments. Join in now. To Pergamos, uh, he, this is beginning in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, he addresses the church at Pergamos. He says, verse 14, I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, 
so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly. The problem with that church was they were not doctrinally sound. We commented about this, but this is verification of the fact Jesus is not tolerant of a church that won't adhere to sound doctrine. And so if if I'm looking for a church and I'm trying to just choose, back to our very first question, Jacob, how do I choose a church? This woman asked, and the guy said, well, just find one that's friendly. This church may have been extremely friendly. In fact, potentially they were because they were tolerating these people uh, who who were teaching practicing false doctrine that it may have been out of some mistaken notion of friendship that they were doing that but Jesus said oh, I, I have this against you you are not holding to sound doctrine you're tolerating false teaching so if we're looking for a church that ought to be a factor that we would consider we don't want to be a part of a church that will not stand we're a very on. accepting and inclusive group Everybody well, and you know, uh, someone could say, well, look what happened to Antipas when he spoke out, you know, so maybe what we need to do is not speak out and get people angry. Well, then you have the ones who are teaching the doctrine of Balaam, Balaam and the ones who are teaching the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And so you have people today that have this soft preaching where they're not going to condemn anybody. Well, Jesus condemned them. Exactly right. Exactly right. The next church mentioned, by the way, jump in on this. If you've got an idea, add to it here. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. The next church mentioned is the church at Thyatira, beginning in chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 18. And the at Thyatira, he says, chapter 2, verse 19, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Uh, here was a church that had some good things going for it. But, they were doing a lot of good things. Yeah, but he says they were tolerating immorality in the, uh, in their midst, and he had no he had no uh, use for that. Well, again, this contradicts a, a popular religious thought that as long as my good works outweigh my bad works. Jesus commends them for all of their wonderful works. He says, your cha- in the King James Version, your charity, your service, your faith, your patience, etc., but if there's just one thing that's lacking, that's the thing that has to be taken care of. So the good cannot, quote unquote, overweigh the bad. You've got you've got to get rid of that bad. And, and in a religious climate today, where people are tolerating things like homosexuality, mm-hmm. tolerating couples cohabiting together, sexual sins, right here, right it's there, not tolerated, not tolerated by the Lord. So we wouldn't, we should not want to be a part of a church that is anything like that. Absolutely. In chapter three of Revelation, he addresses the church at Sardis. And he calls them a dead church. Revelation 3, verse 1, unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and are dead. This was just absolutely a dead church. They weren't accomplishing anything. They weren't doing anything good. But they were still in existence. They, they, they still existed as a, as physically as a congregation of people assembling together. But they were just a dead group. There was nothing going on there. A zombie church. A zombie church. Yeah. They, those churches exist today. Yeah, I think I've known of several. But there's hope because of verse 4. Read it, Jim. Uh, verse 4 says, Thou hast a few names, even Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So even, even in a congregation where we could say that the majority of the people are not doing what's right, if there's a handful, there's hope. Exactly right. And we've got a couple more churches going. We've got a couple more minutes to do it. So. Uh, We've got uh, we've got the church at um, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Where am I? Where Verse seven. I? Verse seven. The church at Philadelphia. They were faithful to the word. Beginning verse eight. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. They were faithful to the word. What about this popular idea? It doesn't matter what you teach. It doesn't matter what you practice, just so long as you are sincere. A lot of people make their religious decision. You know, we, we've talked a lot about this tonight. Doctrinal stance, the teaching that's done is not not critical, not important in a lot of people's opinion. To Jesus, it was important that this church was faithful to the word. We need We need to look for a church that's faithful to the word. And then finally, I think the church maybe that most people recognize is that of Laodicea, beginning in verse 14 of chapter 3. 
It says in verse 15, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This church was was lukewarm. They, they, they were, we talked earlier tonight about the church being infected with worldliness. This church was. This church would be popular today because they're, uh, they evaluated everything totally by the fleshly material. We're big. We have a lot. And the Lord said, you've got nothing. Exactly right. All right. Some excellent things for us to consider as we consider choosing a church. And we definitely want to be a part of a church that God would be approving of. And we see Jesus condemning several churches there. And we would not want to be a part of those groups. And so lots of things to consider as we consider a church. And so we need to make sure that we're using biblical principles to make the correct decisions. All right. Good discussion tonight, Jacob. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thank you for letting me come. All right. And we appreciate you being a part of the virtual Bible study tonight. We hope you benefited from our study of God's Word together. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study in which we will discuss the Old Testament law and the Sabbath day. Are they still binding for us today? We hope you'll make plans to be a part of that program next week. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.